Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the New Books in Animal Studies, a channel of the New Books Network. My name is Yakir, your host today. And today we will speak about the book, Beast Without Purpose. The book, Beast Without Purpose, emerges from the idea of an end to human sovereignty over non-human animals. From this ahumanistic approach, the author conceptualized several ideas for rethinking the crisis of non-humans and for rethinking non-human animals themselves. The non-human, be it a domesticated animal, a beast, or a monster, is being reconsidered through the concept of radical grace, an act of human grace in its favor, or through a geographical concept of true animal liberation and human restraint. Beast without purpose is a beast that does not sit in wait for humanistic judgment, but rather heads out to a new soil free from human domination. The author, our guest today, Oren Ben Yosef, is a writer and animal rights activist and an art teacher from Israel. He has talked and written extensively on human-animal relations and has published three books on this subject. Oren, thank you so much for joining us to the New Books Network. Thank you, Akil. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, I would like to start with, um, you, you open your book by saying that the definition of post-colonialism um, is that the person, that the white person who come to Africa, and you bring a beautiful quote from the book of Young, um, think that he brought Africa into his story or what we will call history. But actually, what, we are tr- what the white colonial person did is that they deleted a whole life and culture of the people in Africa in that case. And we try to bring them and their narrative into the white narrative, the white European or white uh, American narrative. And you say exactly the same is happening with animals. Actually, nature, or which include humans, but really not only, the animals have a narrative. Narrative with different maybe perception, different understanding, but they have a narrative. And actually humans, we, we try to slave them into our narrative. So I love your opening because it's totally change everything how we think about our relationship with nature. I would love if you can share with us more about that. Thank you, yes. Um, I I remember uh, watching uh, uh, some video, I think it was on YouTube, probably uh, about 15 years ago, maybe even more, uh, where, where an African shaman was talking about how the youth of his uh, um, uh, where, where he lived, I, I don't remember where exactly in Africa, I'm sorry. Um, they don't know they have a history. To them, history begins with exactly with the, with the white man who, who came uh, to Africa. This is when history begin, began for them. And um, it, among other things, it's, it's, uh, it is the, the, the work of this shaman to, to, to correct them and tell them about the true history. And, and go, going back to, to animals, because while I am um, talking about a lot of the parallels between uh, humans and animals, I, I, I focus in my books on, on, on animals and on how we uh, treat them and how we perceive them. Um, exactly the same happens um, with them, in a lot of um, you, you, you can think about about dogs and about all, all other domesticated animals 
from like one end of the spectrum is uh, the animals we call pets and the other end of the spectrum is the animals we call um, farm animals, lab animals, and animals we exploit uh, more violently than we do uh, with, with pets and we do exploit pets. We, we breed them uh, in horrific ways to create uh, um, new breeds and, and uh, quote unquote perfect uh, the breeds into um, things you cannot even uh, uh, compare anymore to wolves and uh, to the ancestors of dogs. And, and, and to us, this is the new life. And it begins, you, 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 um, you mentioned the word nature. I think it begins right, right there, you know, when, when um, a small child in the kindergarten um, draw a, a picture of, of a man uh, or human, I don't know, girl, boy, doesn't matter, and, and the background. Like nature, the, 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 the grass, the, the sky, the, the sun, it's, it's the background of the image. We, we learn from like very young age to, to separate the, the foreground from the background, the foreground being, being us. And, 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 and we like in some um, alleged and self-proclaimed uh, Promethean uh, way, we bring a, a new purpose, a new meaning to the lives of animals. The, the cow won't be just a, a, a wild cow uh, somewhere um, in the, the wild grasses somewhere um, uh, uh, far away from humans. It, the cow will be will have her place in human society. This is her place now, um, and more often than not, it's, it's for our benefit, of course, and not not um, for them. So. When I, I'm, I'm being activist for the sake of animals, animal liberation and animal rights for the last, um, I think, 10 years, perhaps more, and you talk to a lot of people and, and you keep hearing these claims that this is what there are for. The cow is there for specific purposes. This is, this is her purpose in life. This is her purpose on this world without without the if we're talking about cows without the milk industry and the meat industry there wouldn't be any cows or, or that many cows that there are now so we use we use these um claims which that evolve into excuses we use these to, um in in order to, to maintain a certain order of things of how the world um should um, and be managed and how it is managed. Like we don't, and we, you know, we, we like to talk about nature and um, always, um, I'm sorry. We like to talk about nature um, in, in order to defend some, uh, the way we harm others. Like it's human nature to do that. We, we suppose we're supposed to eat uh, meat, um, but, but when we talk about nature, we, we don't consider it really to be the wild nature that is uh, oblivious to human needs and human wants. We, 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 we want to tame nature as well, even in, when we talk about the wild nature, it's, it's supposed to be the nature that is in, in our control. And this is what humans have, this is what humans have been trying to do ever since ever since the, the first uh, human, but, uh, you know, more successfully in the agricultural uh, revolution and later in the industrial revolution. So uh, this is where we are now. Yeah, I love it, Oren. I think that there are maybe three, three kind of categories. One is how we really behave with animals that are not pets. The second is the... Um, picture, the image that we try to give humans in order that we can continue with the industry of animals, which is a picture, you know, of the, you go to walk in nature in Switzerland and you see a few cows and they look super chill. This is the cows that we see normally. It's not the cows in, exactly. right, in the, in the way how in the, in the, in the Auschwitz, I'm sorry to go there, but the way how we um, 
how some of my friends, they call it, right? And then we have the nature that we almost never go to visit, or if we go, we call it like the danger, like the jungle, where we know that we do not control and we super afraid from that. Exactly, and and, um, ever since, especially ever since um, the enlightenment, our mission is it became to control this nature and to make these these um, what what I call monstrous, this monstrous uh, side of nature, the one that not only we don't control but all, also uh, threatens to control us. We try to make it as as small and as insignificant as possible. Of course, we can't do that really. And um, Michel Foucault writes about um, about human um, uh, cemeteries and about um, uh, slaughterhouses that used to be in the center of, of uh, the village or the town uh, in, uh, in, the, in the past and, and slowly moved away to the side, of, uh, away from, from our eyes, like uh, from our uh, daily lives, uh, because it's not, we don't want really, we don't really want to see that. And, um, and this is exactly what happened. And, and all, again, I go back to, to, to uh, young children at kindergarten, but 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 all every time we talk about cows, we talk about chickens. We we imagine this happy pastoral environment in which um, they live and and graciously uh, give us uh, their um, uh, products um, with, with love. Until you go there and you see how it really looks like. Right. And before we'll go there, I want to stay a little bit more with the narrative we are creating. And something that you tell us in your book to look at is about the difference between the wording. So we have the word humanistic, which is the ultimate way how human beings should behave. And we think that this is the ultimate way how to behave in the world, to be humanistic. But actually, it's include only humans and we cut out all the animals and then on the other side we have the beast the animal that we need to be worried from it's like this is our enemy that we need to deal with uh, yes exactly um, um, i'm also uh, I'm, an, I'm an art teacher uh, and uh, i teach a lot about uh, the renaissance and i talk, I talk with uh, i talk with my pupils about the the, the moment when in, to, to a certain degree, you know, um, in in Italy, we, we, human people became more secular, and, and humanism and talked about humanism about putting humans in, in the center instead of the church, instead of the state, and what a huge and, and positive step it is. However, we, and exactly when you look at, at the broadest, at the, at the broadest um, picture. This is still very problematic on a, on a, a planetary point of view. Like you have you have a lot of other beings who who, are, who vanish from from our um, um, recognition or from our um, consideration because we think about the humans and their place in the world and how the world should should help humans uh, to their ends. And so we end up uh, with. Really, on on the on the first glance, I think the the, the strange uh, terms like a humane slaughter, which is that the act of killing someone, um, even with no uh, provocation. Uh, however, ultimately, I think this is um, regardless of if it's a uh, if if this uh, sort of humane slaughter has its. Um, uh, I hate to say positive sides, but uh, a little more comforting methods uh, of killing, it's still humane and humanistic because it doesn't see, really see the animal. Humane slaughter is the act of slaughtering, of killing an animal uh, for the sake of humans. And so linguistically, we can say, yes, every slaughter is humane slaughter because it's for the human. We, we, and furthermore, we, we treat animals better in humane slaughter, not for their sake. 
it's ultimately for the um, uh, consumer's sake, because maybe we want to eat these animals, but something is still bothering us about their well-being. So humane way, a humane way to kill them will make us consumer, consumers more um, uh, calm and um, satisfied with, with how things work in the world, you know? And, um, and ultimately this is an act for, again, for, for humans, not for the animals. The animals, if, 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 I'm, if I'd be allowed to, to talk um, in their name, know exactly what they would have wanted. And this doesn't have anything to do with either humane slaughter or, or inhumane slaughter. It's, they want to, to be left alone, live uh, their lives, and if possible, be happy. Like us, exactly like us. Which is fascinating. You know, I'm thinking about our Jewish tradition. And you, many times in your book, you go to the, you bring quotes from, you know, from the Bible and you think about them. And I think about two narratives. One is, I grew up in a Hasidic community. And one of the narratives is that animals desire to be eaten by us because we will bless, we will say the blessing. And this is what will, in a mystical way, will make them to be a feel, a full animals, like to, to the main thing, because we will bless on the food. This is one way. But then we have a different narrative, beautiful story in the Jewish um, old text, the Talmud, the Gemara, where we have Rabbi Yehuda, the president, who saw once um, a cow, which is taken to be slaughtered. And the cow was crying, and she said in the story, she, she said to Rabbi Yehuda, the president, please tell them not to kill me. And he said, this is what you were created to. And Rabbi Yehuda Nasi didn't do anything, and he was punished for that for 13 years of suffering that ended when he took care or on some little um, um, rats or mouses. And I'm thinking about these two narratives. It's two seriously different contradict narratives, but both serve us. And then you bring, and, and I want just to mention that and to, to hear you about the place of our Jewish tradition or any narrative, you mentioned Hevel, Hevel in Hebrew, that in a way he was the good brother between him and Cain, Cain. And Cain, we think about him as the first murderer, right, who killed Hevel. But you say, no, Hevel is the first killer because he killed, he brought sacrifice to God from animals, where Cain actually brought um, smells, or, right? And then we have the snake in the story of Adam and Eve, who is a bad guy, who is a bad animal, not guy, but animal. So I wonder about the place of narrative that the Jewish tradition or any other tradition bring us into. Thank you. Yes, this is, this is like un under the, the circumstances, of course, but this is like a very interesting uh, point to, to discuss and to examine because on, on my second book, um, Beast Without Purpose in English, um, I talk about like a, a, the spectrum of, of animals between like the, the domesticated one and to to the beast, which is the undomesticated animal, and furthermore to the monster that um, um, uh, scares us uh, much more than the beast. But the beast also is is a, is an unwanted condition in nature in in in, in the human point of view, and both of the stories. Um, uh, you, you, you told now one I knew the other I didn't. They put the cow in 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 the same place, not not of a beast, but of of an animal, a, a domesticated animals that is here for a purpose which is, in the end, humanistic. It doesn't matter if it was put here to merely merely to to die for. Um, whatever um, uh, sacraments or uh, rituals uh, humans do, or, or, put, or, or maybe the cow really wants to, to help us uh, 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 transcend uh, our uh, material um, 
life, maybe. And, and either way, it doesn't matter because the bottom line is the cow is there for us. Like the, the like the, the the end of the spectrum is is being cut away. The cow is no beast. There is no there are no beasts. I think if if we if we talk about the Bible, then maybe maybe the story of Noah is is the is the end of all uh, poss poss possibility of beasts in the in the world. I'm thinking about it right now, but but perhaps this is the point because because now it is it is a human who who, who takes all animals for the for the world of the future. As to Cain and Abel, yes, exactly. This this is another again the same thing. Like there is a story. Like um, the, the the sacrifice of Isaac is, is, is the same the same thing, uh, even though it happens later later on. But there is a story that has a, a meaning, a meaning for us, and it is a story for us. And and the the um, um, protagonist of the story and, and the antagonist and the antagonists are humans. And 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 yes, there is an animal there, but but it's it's uh, merely a, a prop or a, or a way for for us to to either do what we do or think what we think. Like um, it doesn't matter. But Abel killed living beings. What matters in the story is that Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain was not. So the the the, the, the life of the of these animals of these beasts is 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 um, is um, negligent in the story. They're merely part of the story, as well in the sacrifice of Isaac. Like. The, the, the ram who, who, that they find at the end of the story is like a deus ex machina uh, for a sacrifice, sacrifice for, for God. There, there was a test and there are um, beautiful um, um, like um, criticism and, and the discussions about the story, even in uh, more secular um, philosophy books in Israel. Um, Dr. Yitzhak Benjamini from wrestling uh, talks about the story a lot, and um, but 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 at the end, like there there is the test. Let's call it a test uh, for for um, for Abraham. But 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 no, like in the end of the story, there is a killing. The story ends with the killing. The story ends with someone, and and the ram is someone who is being killed. And this is so. The story is not a sacrifice. And it should not be called the sacrifice of Isaac, which is another way to diminish the animal. It's a sacrifice of the ram. The, the ram was sacrificed. So we, we can see how how non-humans um, become extinct, even in 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 the way we talk about them, and in the way we talk about the, their own killings. Um, so I think like these are very important points in in the Bible, and I don't write a lot about the Bible. But I'm really secular, and uh, but but I do attach some stories to to explain uh, further uh, uh, points in my books. But but th these are th these are ways that we um, have placed the. The position of the animal in our mind, even um, from early um, from early eras of of, uh, of the Bible, right. and and Owen, you you speak a lot in your book about um, movies that yes. can maybe help us to understand what we are doing, and one of them is about the question of science, because in a way a lot of the cruelty is happening under the name of science. And I think when, if we can think about that together with Michel Foucault and the, you know, the place of science in history from the enlightenment is fascinating. And, and you take like movies like the 12 monkeys, um, if I, if I remember well, yes. and you show us that there is something that we cannot close our eyes to what we 
what we do to animals in the name of science. But officially, we do it in order to save humans. Um, and sometimes we do it in order to make the genetic of animals, but actually it's also for us because we want to have the animals we want to have. So I wonder if you can lead us to these fascinating chapters where you speak about um, the place of science and the industry of science into the life of animals. Yes, uh, this is um, a very important uh, aspect as well. And uh, speaking about 12 Monkeys, which is a movie I, I, I really uh, love, um, 12 Monkeys begin with uh, like a very peculiar uh, point of, uh, of um, in which the world exists. In the story, um, the humans live underground and the hero uh, is chosen to go to the dangerous uh, surface to pick some specimens uh, for the world below. And what we see out there, like a frozen city that is being ruled by beasts, truly beasts now, um, as uh, no human is in control of the place. Um, you see, I think what... Um, Boris Groys talked about it, of course, uh, regardless of the movie and the uh, others as, as anti-utopia. I mean, we talk a lot about utopia and dystopia, which are very, very too, too close to each other. Um, in, in both ways, it's a, a, the um, complete human rule of the world, for better or for worse. Um, and with we can talk about the criticism about uh, utopian thinking um, for ages, but there is also the anti-utopia, which is, which is really the opposite of utopia, not dystopia. In anti-utopia, humans lose control of the world. And the world is given in this, in this uh, movie um, back to nature, quote unquote. So this is a really... Um, um, interesting uh, beginning for the movie. We can see it in other movies. I think about, um, I think it was called Waterworld with Kevin Costner and like even on an older uh, movie. But um, and anyway, in in this movie, we can we meet this group of radical animal rights liberation animal rights uh, activists who work directly against. Um, a, a scientist who perform animal experiments. And to a point, these activists are being blamed for the end of the world, for why the world has come to, be, to, to, be, um, to become an anti-utopian and how uh, most of the mankind has been extinct. And we can see the same thing in a, let's say, like a zombie apocalypse movie uh, 20 days uh, later, 20, 80 days later, sorry. We, we, again, it begins, the movie begins with, uh, with the break, uh, breaking and entering of a group of animal liberation uh, activists into a lab. They all are very violent and very angry. The, um, the scientist we see them is, is a poor person wearing a white robe, helpless against the, the violent uh, activists. And he tries to warn them not to release the monkeys because the monkeys have um, a very dangerous virus in them, but of course they don't listen to them, to him, and so they are responsible for the end of the world. So we can see in these two examples how those who oppose science in, in this, in, we're talking about science, the self-proclaimed objective examiner, but ultimately the destroyer of lives, of, of uh, non-human lives. Uh, so those who oppose the, this kind of science are responsible to the end of the world, which is uh, quite a serious uh, accusation, which can tell us, uh, viewers, about the place of, of this kind of science in the world. Like you don't want to be on the other side of this equation because look what happens. And, and I think that if we talk about, I, I, you, I worked as a manager for um, the Israeli Society for the Abolition of the Section for a few years. 
And uh, even uh, until today, I, I deal with uh, scientists and uh, vivisectionals uh, in, in debates, and I talk to people against uh, all, all kinds of animal experiments, no matter what their um, um, uh, purposes are. And, and usually, like there is this, first of all, uh, like uh, an, an impenetrable aura around this um, field. Like you, we can talk about uh, eating uh, animals, yes or no, and, and ultimately, and frankly, there is nothing to say in, in favor of, of eating animals. I'm sorry to say, except people like the, the taste. There is nothing to defend it. But, 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 the, converse, but the, discussion, the discussion become much more serious and, um, and energetic and uh, emotional when we talk about science. Because there, there is this equation about, uh, of human lives against animal lives. And, and when, when presented with this uh, equation, what you're supposed to do is prefer the human life. But of course, this, this equation is, is artificial because the, these, these animals have nothing to do with the problems we usually cause to ourselves. And, um, and you, you can see the case of the COVID uh, plague as a perfect example um, for that. And it's only because we, we chose to perform these violent experiments on animals that we that we do that it not, it's nothing uh, nothing else, and um, and so this the, this point of, of scientific approach to to the insignificance of, of animal life sometimes is is the umbrella for all considerations of of, of non humans, and this is like a very very um, um, big problem. I talk a lot with the, every year I meet with um, uh, researchers and students who either are performing experiments or are about to perform experiments on animals. And I say that first, first of all, you know, you should, according to what you do, it's not like it's not like that the humans are the first place and animals are the second place, and then what we have nothing to do. We have to to look after the, the beings in the first place. Animals are the zero place. They, they have nothing, that they have no value. And you can see it in, in the way researchers, some researchers, maybe I, I should say, uh, manipulate um, the uh, methods of uh, experiments and the research in order to, to do what they want against uh, the very, very soft regulations they have in the place uh, where they work. And, and, and again, we can talk about these uh, uh, scientists and say, were you all uh, vegan uh, people who, who fight for the sake of animals, but when you go to the lab, you say, okay, right now there is no, no other choice. I have to, to harm these animals. The discussion would be very different. Of course, I would be still against it, but this, the discussion would be different. But it, but it doesn't because you don't because animals have no place in the world of, of humans. And um, I, I use a lot of uh, movies, like you said, especially in my last book. Um, my last book is called Animal Eaters, um, and um, uh, World Eaters, I'm sorry. And um, it talks about uh, science fiction and the, the way we think about alien beings in science fiction and even today, um, as compared to the way we treat non-human uh, earthing beings here. I don't discuss the actual question if there are lives on other worlds. I don't know. I assume there are, but it's not, it's not the subject of, the, of my book, but how we think about them. And, and I use a lot of movies and, and uh, television shows which happen in the future when, where we meet these beings. And I ask also, I show examples of how um, we, we can go back to, to Young and talk about human imperialism, how it happens uh, across the galaxy, not only on planet Earth. And, um, and we can see, we can think like, we can imagine now, like do a, a thought um, practice about a, a, a new world that human will discover one day, which is, um, uh, populated with uh, what what I uh, called like as a joke 
by space cows and space dogs and space birds. Um, I mean, like counterparts of, um, of uh, what we, we know here on Earth. And, and we can imagine what the future is going to be once a human foot is, is, is going to step on this world. It's the end of, of it's, it's their apocalypse. Their apocalypse begins when we step on the new world, which is exactly what happened in the Americas and other places in, on Earth. Which is fascinating, and it brings me to, to another question, which is, Oren, I mean, killing is happening in nature. Right. I mean, I, I love hiking and camping. So many times I'm I, I um, you know, stay nights in the middle of forest or mountain. And when you listen to the voices and when you know about um, predators who are coming, I mean, it's not easy to be an animal in in, in the forest. Um, so killing is happening. And I wonder, maybe killing is part of nature, since animals also kill animals to eat. And I wonder if there are ways that you can imagine, or maybe there are some traditions, I think maybe about some um, traditions in non-Western societies, where you go to, to, you know, to kill an animal in order to eat it with your tribe, but you behave with the animal that you know in a, you pray and you only kill in order to eat i just wonder about is it like or nothing or everything or maybe there are ways that we can behave more like actually not human but more actually like nature yeah uh, thank you um yeah okay i have several books um, that deal with the problem of animal pain in a, from a Christian perspective. And one of them, I think, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name right now, uh, Osborne. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Osborne, if you listen to this uh, uh, podcast, but I can't remember the first name. Um, he begins the book with... Um, like a, a trip he had somewhere um, in, in the jungle and how we see like swall the swollen bodies of cadavers of uh, animals and the uh, uh, alligators eating so much that they cannot move. And uh, he, he describes like a, a very, very brutal nature. And, and nature is brutal, of course. Uh, this is, again, one of the, of, uh, the humanistic problems that uh, nature is uh, like um, uh, usually... Uh, green grass and um, uh, carefully planted uh, uh, trees. No, nature, na nature is, is not nice. And, and a lot of and not nice things happens in nature. And, and I think that ultimately, for, for better or worse, we are not, you can say that everything that happens uh, is part of nature, of course, but but to, to, to a certain to a certain extent, we're not there. We control somewhat, uh, control our evolution, and, and we we do things that, that weren't supposed to, supposed is a big world that wouldn't happen should the humans uh, not uh, uh, gain their technolo technological um, uh, advancements that they did, and we can do without it. This is this is the bottom line. Let's talk first of all about the Western world, or the and, and then go to the to other places. So, I think that first of all, in the in the Western world, there's no question like you you can you you mustn't uh, harm animals. Like it's harm, it's harming other beings. Where where you go further to further uh, or to different cultures and um, societies. These are not the first places that I would go to to, to stop um, animal abuse. But in the end, this is violence toward other beings. From my point of view, this is the end of the story. Like we don't human 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 violence is is part of our history as well. But we try to stop it. This allegedly in the to, in the, uh, like. Um, yeah. In, in, uh, 
stop it, the, the, the commonality of it, at least. Uh, we, we don't say, okay, like the, there wasn't any time in history that humans didn't kill humans, so let's avert it. We don't do that. So I, I think I'm not, I'm not really like um, utopian about it. I don't think there's going to be a point in the future, um, in, in a future that we can predict, like um, not regarding AI and uh, um, immersive uh, consciousness and, uh, and things like that, but 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 uh, you, a future we can predict that th there will be an end to animal abuse because I, I can't perceive a future in which there will be an end to human abuse. And if right. we can't uh, predict uh, the end of human violence, how can we think about the, right. the end of, of animal violence? But we need to 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 strive to to, to end it. Nevertheless, the way we do with human violence. So, so like a similar question can be asked about people who raise uh, chickens in their uh, in their uh, yard or in their farm, and they live the really good lives. And from time to time, they take they take their eggs. I mean, like technically, this doesn't bother me much as long as you don't harm the animals. But but ultimately, I don't think this is how we we, sh we should we should live on on the expense of others on the uh, one sided let's let's call it in uh, as a as a bitter joke a one sided uh, symbiosis. Um, of of, um, of of human and non-human. So, I, 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 my my vision or, or what I want in the world is is the all the, the end of, of violence, which is I, I say it right now. It's like it's non-realistic um, uh, wish, unfortunately. But but I think that we should strive towards it at least in the same way we strive toward, toward um, the end of human violence. So interesting. And, um, yeah, it's so interesting what you say because you actually give us different, what is interesting about humanity that we can choose where we want to put ourselves, right? So yeah. as I look at that now, and, and maybe we can go back to the question, to the story of Noah, because in, in um, the Jewish tradition before Noah, and, and the story um, of, of the ark, um, we were not allowed to eat animals. So according to the narrative, before that, we were like um, this kind of animal, this section of animals who are eating only vegetables um, or grass. And after Noah, we are allowed to eat animals, but actually even worse than that, it's not only that we are allowed to eat animals, Noah, the first thing that he does when he leaves the, the ark is to take animals and to sacrifice them to the name of the divine, to God. And this is like the three layers that you speak about. It's like the cruelty that we create, we use animals to our narrative. Then there is the eating animals that make us to be like animals who are predators, who are eat others. And then the animals that we, you strive to be, which is yeah. to be part of this group of, of animals that do not hurt each other. And, and I love it. I love it because you give us, you put the responsibility on us to choose where we want to be. Yes. And, and this is like a, a very a <laughs> problematic thing, thing to do because usually we as a like, society or culture or state or we don't usually think too much uh, um, forward like uh, I love uh, uh, among a lot of other things something that that um, uh, Slavoj Žižek uh, 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 says a lot like um, uh, instead of uh, don't think do don't do think meaning just Stop for a second and think forward. Think about consequences. Think about the future. Don't don't do without uh, um, 
considering the consequences. And, and we can see that uh, today, like um, on uh, one second, you, you hear about the, the planet Earth burning to, 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 to ash, and the other, uh, you see how uh, billionaires uh, boast about uh, leaving the atmospheres for, for five seconds in their new spaceships and uh, their plans of uh, automatic uh, cars and, um, and how they see the future. Regardless of the impact it's going to have on, and I'm even not talking about the animals being used in Elon Musk's experiments on his uh, Neuralink, but even on humans who uh, in the United States, like so many people are working as, as truck drivers, and this is a, a job that is really in, in the danger, is facing extinction in face in, with the arrival of the automatic cars, autonomic cars. So this is like a, a simple example of, of how you can like run forward and, and, and change things or how they call it in the, the Silicon Valley break stuff without considering the consequences. This is what we usually do. So what, what I try to do is, is hold on, let's, let's think for a second in, 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 uh, in the book, uh, um, uh, Beast Without Purpose, I'm, I'm giving like theoretical tools to, to change the way we, we look at the world. And in the book, uh, World Eaters, I'm, I'm, I'm asking to, to look at humanity in, a, in an even broader uh, scope and see, and see what, what it does to, to the world. And so let's, let's chill, <laughs> let's, let's wait for a second and, and, um, and not run and break stuff. I'm talking about uh, the act of grace, um, and we the go radical, the radical grace. To, yes, to, 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 to we can go back to, to some uh, like um, theistic um, point of view again. Um, I compare it. Um, there is a beautiful, beautiful book uh, called the Secular Grace in, in Hebrew uh, by Dana Freibach Chefet, and um, I'm talking about, she talks about uh, uh, the act of grace between humans. And I'm talking about that, the act of grace between a human and a non-human. And I compare it to the act of, of grace between God and the, and the human, in, in which in both cases, like we don't have any way to repay God for the act of grace. And in the same way, non-humans have no way to repay us for, for our act of grace. And sometimes they don't even know an act of grace is, is being bestowed upon them. Uh, we we uh, saved one day, uh, we saved about 30 turkeys from a lab. Uh, we got a call, and it's the, the people from the lab said, listen, we finished this um, experiment, the, the turkeys are uh, fine. On Sunday, we're going to kill them because we don't have anything to do with them if you want them come and take them. So we stopped everything and we, take, we took 30, uh, 28, I think, turkeys who were scared to death. They didn't know what's going on because they were in their environment and suddenly they're in, in carton boxes being put in, in a car. They were scared to death because they didn't know that we are actually saving their lives. So this is like an example of how you can change the life of a non-human so radically and first of all not expect any uh, uh, gratitude from the animal as, as you should you're doing the right thing but that, that should be enough and second of all with no way for the other side meaning the animal repay you and thirdly even without the animal knowing uh, what you're doing so so I'm, I'm giving this example as a way to, to take a different look at, 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 the, at the beings around us, at the non-human beings around us. In a way, we can not exploit them, not use them for our end, but rather the opposite, like help them. Simply help them in life. We're all, to quote Heidegger, maybe like thrust in, into this world, into this existence, um, and we're, we're all here together uh, in this life against, let's call it, uh, the end of it against death, and so let's just help each other the, the, as much as we can. I'm, 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 I'm not Ethiopian. I, I know there are limits. I know 
I know I'm responsible for, for some deaths myself, unfortunately, in the way I live. I, I try to do my best, but I know I'm not perfect. No one is. But, but let's, let's make the effort to, to help, and, or at least not to harm as much, as many beings as we can. So beautiful. And, um, yeah. and another subject I'm talking about in this book, in This Without Purpose, it's about um, trans, I call it, now this is very utopian, unfortunately, uh, um, today, but uh, about uh, um, transnational uh, wilderness, like the, the theoretical uh, zones on, on planet Earth that should be uh, left without any human control over them, not, not being part of any state uh, on, on the planet. That, like, the idea that some human states will, will uh, just um, release and give, give, let's call it give independence to, to uh, places in the jungle, places in the savannas, I don't know, that in which humans will, will not be the rulers. And uh, like, well, unfortunately, not a very realistic uh, thing to do uh, today. It's, I think it's a, it's a very uh, nice uh, way of thinking about, of, of rethinking about the world and about our environment. Like maybe we shouldn't control everything around us. Fascinating. And there is another podcast that I did uh, with two fascinating scholars, uh, Wilderness, that speaks exactly about these questions of the wilderness and the wilderness and the place of humans inside that. Um, Owen, first of all, thank you so much. And I'm thinking, you know, um, maybe I will end, we will end with um, another beautiful Midrash, a Jewish text that says, that the reason why Adam and Eve were born in the sixth day and not in the first day is to tell them, if you take responsibility on the world, we created the world also for you to be there. But if not, if you don't know how to behave in the world, so every other creature was here before you. So don't try to control. And um, this is nice. Yes. This is and, and and I love how you bring us not also the, the theoretical in your book and the narrative. You, you really, you, you don't try to bring the narrative of the animals, but you really show what the narratives that we choose and also practically how to do it differently. So thank you so much for joining us to the New Books Network. It was a gift. Thank you, thank you for having me. It was really, really a pleasure. And I'm happy to talk about this uh, subject. Thank you.